What came first in this universe? What appeared in the cosmos that set in motion life as we know it? Was it the stroke of a benevolent brush or the eruption of countless reactions? What drove the hand or the catalyst? I think this far back because it also begs the question of why we do anything at this moment. Is it love, anger, desire, power, or fear? Fear. Can we blindly deny our age-old foe as a distant enemy rather than our closest confidant? Can we have my beautiful friend courage without fear? Does love not saturate deeper when we fear losing it? Does life not taste of paradise when we know how fragile she can be? Does your family not live closer to your heart when you felt the fear of losing them? Fear, the ropes and chains and webbing to us all, the sinew that binds us to our existence, but only when mastered. When we dive into her stillness that comes with it a descent that leaves us bloody and at times unrecognizable, she calls and yells and roars at the stitching that just barely holds us together, gutting and slicing to remind us to bleed us just enough. But what a teacher she can be. What a guiding star if we choose her to be. When we sit with her and dine together, not as foes, but as very old friends. MDLP. <laughs> Battle Last Podcast. Episode 42. We're coming at you a little deeper today. And obviously our topic is is fear. We're going to get to that. But um, I'm your grace, graceful and obviously very ready host, MDLP. And I cannot make this happen without my handsome Baron of the North podcast co-host, Johnny Banks. Hi. <laughs> what the we, hell was I, that? We were, we, we've been on a hiatus for a couple of months because we've been busy and I just want to destroy the world. Just that like was it. insane. I, <laughs> I wrote that today because... Because today is important. Um, we're going to touch base on a lot of things today, but we never forget where we came from and who got us here. Um, a big shout out to all of our friends and our sponsors, to the Villains 305. Um, thank you very much for always supporting us and being a part of what we do and it's such a force in the community. Storm Media, whenever you see us and our stories and a lot of our new reels, that's our boy Ray starting new things. Always hit us up, DM us if you don't know who he is. We'd love to tag them and show you all our good stuff. To the Battle Axe Gym. <laughs> Family and clan, thank you very much for always being a part of this and being the reason why we do what we're doing and one of our biggest supporters. And, of course, my legacy and my home. Cerberus USA, thank you very much for always taking care of our, our athletes. Discount Cone Battle always gets you some stuff. And go to Energy. Just look at us. Look here. There we are. <laughs> now that we sound like Basti Dedo. <laughs> thank you very much for that. Always taking care of me and our guys. It's a great way of caffeine. I'm just saying this because I actually believe in the product. So, and of course, we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna dive in deep. And of course, like every show, we start off with a little chit chat, a little banter. We are gonna be lighthearted today, but at the same time, there's a lot of things I want to touch on today that I've been kind of experiencing. I think, and fear has become the the forefront of a lot of things that I've been feeling lately, but also a lot of the conversations that I've been having with people. Mm-hmm. And as always, I always try to simplify or try to find the root cause of something. And fear has been that. Now, we're going to dive into that a little bit deeper. But first, we're going to talk about business. <laughs> talk Absolutely, about easy man. peasy stuff. The, uh, the business machine continues to grow. So uh, coming soon, 
you have your probably, if not the best, one of the best yeah. powerlifting meets in Florida. Fucking for sure. Listen, first of all, we were the ones that started the brewery thing, just because I like to laugh about that. But but also because it like goes to show you that the guy who puts it on really likes his alcohol. So that's why. Area. <laughs> but the the, the throwdown is a big deal for me, and we'll touch base on that quickly because it was my first USPA meet. It was my first real coaching experience. I had five athletes. It used to be at the Port St. Lucie Civic Center, and it was like the bee's knees. After Raw Unity went away, those of you who remember that have been in the game long enough to remember Raw Unity, that was at Port St. Lucie, too. That was a big deal. Yeah. Hamilton, Dan Green, the ant. I mean, this was the one. Well, that after Raw Unity came went away, Throwdown was a thing. And I remember going there. That was my some of my favorite experiences, but it was also like, one day this is going to be mine. I want to host this. Wow. When Rich uh, decided to start letting Jim's host stuff, I said, I want to throw down. And he's like, okay, you're up next year. And once it got there, I told him, I go, now it's going to be mine. And so I went from Thanksgiving throwdown to Miami throwdown because I wanted it to be mine. So it was a, it's a more, it, there's more than just having a big powerlifting meet. It's, it's a staple for me that yeah. a 1,000 square foot facility can host and be a part of a great Florida USPA team and host a badass fucking show. It's fun because eventually when you get to the bench, you want something to do. So it's yeah. beer, TV, music, and stuff like that is very important. So that's coming up November 11th and 19th. I'll also be going to OSG to coach. You know, I have three people there, Monica Gregg, Nick Smith, and Mike DiPiero. Wow. All made it to OSG. So what that's going to be amazing. Yes, good people too. So, you know, uh, Lynn really puts on an incredible show. And then after that, of course, Florida's Strongest Man in December by Alan Colley at Ironhouse Gym. I'll be coaching there as much as I wanted to fucking compete in that one. I don't, uh, I won't be able to. I'm just being smarter about that. And I think yeah. you know, that's something, again, that really drove this conversation. And then I think December 12th, or the Sunday after that, is the king of the king of the platform and queen of the platform by uh, Jordan Wong. Oh, yeah. I'll be coaching that one. I'll be coaching a couple, uh, I'll be coaching Lindsay in that one. And in Florida's Strongest Man, I have a handful, Austin, Ryan, Allen, Alexandra, and I think that might be it. So there's still a wow. busy-ass season going there. So, I know. December 13th is when I'm going to decide to play Modern Warfare and drink all day until I'm tired. I like it. I think it's a solid plan. Yeah, it's going to be a big one there. Nice, man. And then uh, coming shortly after that is uh, your dual project, which is the Ragnarok Games, correct? Yes. So me and Ralph Avalon, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's like a 70-30. He has put in 70 80% of the He is really put in a lot of work to facilitate yeah. stuff that I am not good at. The business aspect, the sponsoring aspect, he's been killing it with his partner, Rob. And they're just absolutely doing great. What my job is to facilitate this on the trenches level, running the equipment, picking the numbers, getting the volunteers, the coaching, that's, I mean, the judging. So that's February 24th and 25th. So yes, it is happening. The show that wasn't happening, well, it's, it's fucking happening. Yeah. Um, I know this because my anxiety is through the roof. <laughs> So if it was make-believe, please talk to my blood pressure um, and my cardiologist to explain these palpitations. Yeah. Um, but it's it's happening, and it it's our first, it, well, A-R, but it's my first big show. And I mean yeah. big, hundreds of people. Bill Kazmaier, Magnus from Madison are coming down. They might go head-to-head at a deadlift, yes, on Sunday. Wow. This is happening. Um, a lot of big-time sponsors. and It's the Miami Expo, man. Like, to see the Battle Axe Gym coming from a fucking parking lot to be placed on the same place where they do these giant expos and it'll be just, it'll say, you know, 
Ragnarok and Battleaxe Gym is it's fucking awesome. And yes, I am nervous. And yes, I am anxious. I know we can do it, but it's a big responsibility. And, you know, kudos to Ralph for literally works day in and day night for doing this. I'm not going to try and take credit for all the fucking things he's doing. Yeah. Uh, because it takes a lot to put on a show. And it's nice sure. to have help and have to do it all. And then Miami's baddest in April. It's totally fucking happening. I think we're going to do it April 8th. Okay. Um, because it's a very important day for me on another level, but that must happen too. So my season is, it's 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 busy, man. Flying to the sun is something that I, it's more than just a metaphor or a t-shirt. Um, yeah. And it comes with its own prices. But as far as business is concerned, John, as far as the Battle Axe Gym, we just expanded a little bit, like 150 square feet, which is huge. It's basically like two inches yeah. worth of size, which is, I meant for height and throwing. We're talking about yeah. games here. Guys. So 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 so, so, so. Um, it's it's awesome, man. I got to show you the the pictures of the gym expansion. Yeah, it just feels good. Ray was there helping us the other day. It's pretty damn good. And yeah. I apologize for my my stuffy noise, my <laughs> nose. I sound terrible. I yeah. feel like I just I found sound so far away. So please bear with us. Um, know that we're <laughs> no amount of microphone and, uh, editing is going to make me sound better today yeah but we're we're here we're, and you get that high quality headphone to just remind you yeah that how you bad i sound <laughs> broom up my nose basically <laughs> so yeah man so uh you know as as we know we're getting into this um a topic of fear and so you brought it up to me man oh, actually probably two months ago mm-hmm. we were like hey i'm thinking about this direction and so let's talk a little bit about that. In that time, what kind of brought you to that forefront of like, hey, this is something that we need to touch on? Because you've always we've always pushed the courage conversation. Mm. Courage, courage, courage. Mm. We've always hammered that. But we never talked about to counterside. So that's a good question. So you guys are gonna hear me drinking some stuff throughout here because I'm either formally trying to hydrate and dehydrate at the same time. He means weed. Weed, because it's been, a, it's been a rough month for me, John, on a personal level. But it's been a difficult fucking year, you know? And I talked to you that because I went back and listened to Courage, which, again, is still one of my favorite podcasts ever. Absolutely. I think the, the, the episode really kind of hit because one cannot exist without the other, right? You can't have courage without fear, but fear doesn't necessarily need courage is what I came to the realization. I remember in that podcast, I'd said something like one, they are almost like one needs the other, but not really, you know, fear can exist with, with the absence of courage. Courage cannot, cannot exist without fear. Mm-hmm. And that made me think how deep and how bigger fear can really go. And that how much more of an umbrella it really is. Yeah. You know, you have things like anxiety, being scared, being afraid, Dread, being alone, being distant. These are all the children of fear. It's like I'm trying to find the root. I'm trying to go beyond that. Yeah. As an athlete, what are you most scared of? It's like fear itself. At one point, you're just tired of being scared. Now, you can say I'm scared of injury. I'm scared of getting hurt. And those things that really run through my mind. And I remember telling you, like, I stopped throwing because I was scared of uh, tearing my Achilles down. Yeah. And then I started sitting with this concept more philosophically. Why am I not doing for the strongest man? Because like, I'm scared. For the first time, I can 
I sat with it like a bundle. I feel fear when I do this. Yeah. And yes, it's nice to have the ability to have courage. But at one point, you get fucking tired of feeling, feeling fear. I had to sit with it. Yeah. And I came to the realization in a lot of conversations recently where I can see when you have felt fear, just like when you do bad things, you recognize bad people. Mm-hmm. You just know. If you have badness in your heart or have done bad things, you're like, that's a bad motherfucker right there. I'm not going to piss that guy off. I'm going to yeah. buy him a drink. <laughs> and then you can also smell the bullshit, right? Yeah. I also feel the same thing. It's like heartbreak or having a sad heart. You just kind of recognize your counterpart in the room. You're like, oh, I'm going to go sit with that guy because he probably knows what a good sad story is. Mm. Fear is the same thing. You can sense fear. Animals can sense fear. It's so fucking primal. It is so root. Yeah. That fear is something we even animals can see and feel on us. They don't need to rationalize. It's it's expressing in our eyes, our body language, our our pheromones, our science exudes fear. How much more primal can you get? Yeah. You know, courage, you can mask courage. Very hard to mask fear. Uh, and I sat with it. And I said, now I can see it. Yeah. And I go, let me, and I can have athletes talk to me, and I can see the fear in their eyes of disappointment or giving up or that fear that, that sadness causes. Like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Am I ref- am I seeing a reflection here? Yeah, and I had to sit with it and and talk to myself. And recent events <laughs> made me think harder. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Remember, we were going to do a podcast a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I'm not ready. Yeah, I don't want to. I had a, a, I was a guest on another podcast because it's easy to talk about myself. I can do this. Shit. <laughs> I can do this shit my whole life. <laughs> but to sit with myself and dig into this topic that I think most of us are afraid of the fear topic mm. um, is deeper and I'm ready today. Yeah, I think that uh, the way we'll approach this is let's kind of watch or talk about how fear changes and develops as we change and develop as individuals, right? So kind of like a, a softer side of this is like, do you remember what your biggest fear was when you were a child? Me? Yes. Yeah. The dark. The dark. I was really, really scared of the dark, but not the dark when I was alone. Mm. Um, I, I, as a kid, I shared a room with my brother. Yeah. And I felt fine in the dark. And then I came to realize that the dark was made, made me feel really lonely. And then as I got older, it was more of like, I'm scared of being alone. Yeah. And that also perpetuated the fact that I also made myself more alone by that. It's like the bully that becomes a bully. Yeah. But as a kid, the dark, like a dark room without my brother there was scary as fuck to me because my imagination would go. Mm. And, you know, I, I was son of an artist. So drawing movies, cartoons, my brain was playing shit at night. If my brother wasn't in that room, I correlated the darkness to all the bad shit coming out. So being alone in the dark, I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I had like a, like a disorder, like a trauma where you put me in a room and I'm shaking and crying. I've never mm-hmm. really had that. Luckily, there are some people that have in, in, intense disorders or phobias, but I certainly didn't like fucking the dark at all. Now, not so, I'm not so much as bothered so much. Yeah. Because I, I don't correlate it the same. I know what loneliness, that's my bigger fear. The dark is like kind of cool now or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's funny how that kind of uh, develops into like tying into more adult situations right right it just kind of grows as you grow as a person so that's interesting so 
as you grow, do you remember maybe in like your younger years, maybe your teenage years, like, okay, we've, we've gotten past the dark because the dark represents loneliness. Well, now I'm 18, Michael De La Pava, and I, my biggest fear at 18 is... Oh, my teenage years? Yeah, like that that coming of age, like 18, 19 year old. I think the, I think the problem then is that I didn't have any fears. Mm. I, I wasn't really like, I mean, scared of sharks and shit, you know, <laughs> and heights. <laughs> you know, like normal. Fuck the deep sea, fucking, bro. Yo, stop. The movie Abyss, I would have died on the fucking... I would have just died on the way down. On the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're only two feet on the water. <laughs> you're you're putting on the suit. Me. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> on the computer, like, Mike, we haven't put the suit on. Nah, nah, I'm dying. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking through my phone here because I, I asked last night what fear was. Yeah. Uh, like, people's opinions. And I thought, so there were some good ones. Um, and I and I'd looked up... I. I hadn't looked up the definition of fear in a very long time. When I looked it up, I was completely disappointed. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I'll touch base, and I'm like, this is the stupidest definition of such a strong, whatever. Anyways, um, at 18 and that coming of age, I didn't really have a lot of fears because I think I just maybe hadn't experienced enough. Mm. I think I had things I didn't like and things I wanted to avoid, but I didn't, I don't think I was afraid enough because I wasn't, I didn't have the courage to explore enough. Yeah. Um, things hadn't really happened enough. Of course, you know, your regular, you know, losing a friend and stuff like that, but not, nothing had happened to me at 18 yet or a young man. Not enough for me to be like, to, to, to hurt me yet. Yeah. I hadn't like put my hand on the stove per se. And I hadn't felt that, that, that real sting that has always been there. Yeah. And that's why I was. And even in my early 20s, I just didn't fear anything. I was, I guess, like most young men. You what know? a gift. I, yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't scared of anything. Yeah. I was, uh, obviously, I don't, like, again, I will repeat this. The, I'm not like some fearless machine. There are the normal things like public speaking or, you know, going out on a date. Like, these are normal. And when I meant fear, like you're asking, it's yeah. something that really scares you. Right, yeah. That's where you're like, you stay up at night or you don't sleep or you have anxiety. Yeah. Too young. I don't think I had an experience enough or very fortunate enough to have dove deep other than, you know, your young emo goth kid at your 2021 with black nails writing cool poetry, listen to AFI, but that's just me. <laughs> Too dead, right? You, I hate myself. <laughs> <clears throat> so as you're developing as a man and you start, you know, your your athletic career starts to develop. Outside of injury, do you remember what your biggest fear as an athlete was? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it's something that I still deal with. It's letting people down. Mm. Because I believe letting people down means I am. They're far away from me. And I'm alone. Mm. And mm. that, and that's something that I want to touch base on very soon. Because I will, I, the reason why I want to do it now is because <laughs> that's going to open up a door that I'm going to completely deviate from. But you know, I, I really like always you know I mean and it's very easy for me to paint brush something very beautiful i just had this discussion last night yeah. for me to paint you a novel with the word fear i can write you a story in third person which i started to manifest fear as a guest into your home as a woman as a as an unpleasant guest at the beginning i can write you pages so that you can sit there and in this flowery romantic baroque robust environment what fear really is right yeah. But you know what the hardest thing is? I learned this from my biology teacher, Dr. Marvitt, who was a biology teacher and a philosophy major. And it was a beautiful class. 
To simplify something into one word is a gift. It is a task. When I, I'm asked, what is love? I say, love is work. Mm. And to me, that's, that's what love is. And it's my perception. Just like everything ends. It's two words to describe a, 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 almost an entire lifespan of thought. And when I think fear, I guess I'm going to do it anyway. Fear to me is distance. Mm. And I challenge someone, and I, and I mean this openly, not being a dickhead, to, to give me something better than that. Because when you ask me, as an athlete, what was the biggest fear was to let people down because I felt so far away from being liked and loved and respected and feared. It felt distant when I failed or got hurt was it the injury or the fact that when i was hurt you wouldn't see me as strong anymore or you would see me as vulnerable i felt far away from things i felt that you now you don't understand me and now you don't get me you know what's hard when you train as an athlete and you isolate yourself no one understands you it's that fear that maybe i'm doing too much that now i am alone again mm. You're not drinking the waters I am drinking. You're not eating the meals I'm doing. You're not doing the fucking drugs I'm doing. You're not wrecking your body. You're not waking up limping downstairs at 32, questioning life. You're missing family events. You're for free, for free, for love, for respect and fear. And then suddenly you're like, what if I don't have this? What if I'm so far away? Yeah. And those are my fears as an athlete that I carry to this day. And I don't think you can, you can't undo that, John. You. I'm not comparing myself to, please don't think I'm comparing myself to military, but I have a lot of close friends from the military. I just sat with Weaver and my, my yeah. SEAL team buddies, like brothers. You know why I get along with those motherfuckers and why those people get along with athletes? Because it's a similar mindset expressed differently. You can ask anybody, ask Nate, ask Weaver, ask all those guys. You know why they get along with us with athletes? Mm. Because it's that same fear of distance that they come back to normal life and they're like, this is what the fuck do I do with this? Yeah. I'm not comparing myself to fucking going into battle, but let's let's correlate the mindset for the simplicity of this conversation. It's that fear of coming back. It's that distance that now you've created that you just don't feel normal. Yeah. And what do you do? You hang out with athletes. It's like it's like hanging out with drug addicts. Yeah. Are you really gonna be doing rails at two in the afternoon at church with your friends? No, but there's people that do it. Yeah. And those will become your buddies. And it's that fear. Well, that makes sense. And I, I think that has a lot to do with the tie-in to like, um, when you give it up, when when the end is here, right? Then you die again, right? Right. So, could it be tied into a little bit of fear of death as an athlete or as a coach? Mm. Again, what is death if not just the distance of life? Mm. What's the furthest thing away from life? Death? Yeah. That's the end. And what is the furthest thing away from from feeling loved? Is isolation. Loneliness. I mean, if anything showed us, was fucking COVID. <laughs> Isolate human beings long enough, and they create a fear-filled society. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to sound conspiracy theorists at all, but, <laughs> I mean, proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Man, yeah, it's just fear. As a, and I'll speak then again, as we always do. You know, as an athlete, as a strength athlete, 
I mean, yourself included, fear and uh, from all the answers that I got last night, there are a lot of things that come uh, honing on the individual that causes different fears. Fear of injury, fear of, you know, not winning, fear of, <laughs> of letting people down, letting your coach down. There's a fear of not doing well. These are very individualistic tasks, but what does that all kind of funnel to into me and this, it's distance. And I mean that word in a very grandiose way, not just physical distance, like meters per se, but emotional distance. And I felt that because I got, when I would get hurt and when I would do poor, poorly, I felt so far away from everything. I felt so, I felt like people looked at me so disappointingly that I was like, I can't even look at you. I don't even want to go to the gym because people are going to give me that face like, ooh. I wanted to feel so far away, and it was my own fears causing it. It was my own perceptions doing that shit to myself, and a lot of people do that. Do you feel like you pushed yourself further into that isolation? For sure. I had to, and I don't mean that. I mean, I had to at the time. I don't think it was a good idea. I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't. Pre- I was so scared to look at people in the eye. Yeah. I was, I was, I was so scared to have to explain to people why they pulled it. Because I was nervous about how I would react. Like, was I going to get mad? Was I going to be upset? Was or I going to get watery eyed? Yeah. Are they going to give me the same bullshit? Hey, you maybe you should stop. <laughs> and again, all that perception, right? That distance of actual like knowledge and logic, telling you, hey man, you're making this up in your head, right? Yeah. And this is where I, the definition was kind of like one of the fear. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. That's it. I know, it's the most, but look, here's my favorite part. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something, right? Which is kind of interesting because fear has a physiological response. Yes. So it's not just, it's not just belief. I know it's said by belief, but it certainly starts with that belief. It's that perception, right? And a lot of people that message me in a lot of conversations, it's, it's the unknown. It's the things you're making up in your head, right? That they call anxiety. Hmm. And that, to us as athletes, is like cancer. Yeah. It eats you up alive slowly. And even when you cure it, like if you take an athletic chemo, in that moment, it's killing you. Because you're sitting with the realization of, I'm getting older. I'm also more tired. I can do this, but I got to work harder. Yeah. And I got to say no to things more. I can't really go out partying too much. And you go through this chemo, athletic chemo, where you're like killing yourself by rehabbing and you're tired and you're putting more hours into therapy. And then you come out on top, right? You beat it. You compete again. You're whole again. But you suffer that trauma and you're just not the same anymore. And then there's always the fear of, am I going to be scared again? Yeah. Right? Am I going to get quote unquote cancer again? I'm not diminishing cancer, please, but understand where this comes from. I think it's a very good anecdote or analogy. Um, how f- fear can be like this athletic cancer for us. It doesn't really go away, does it? It just sits there mm. in remission and you just feel it. Yeah. And that's very dangerous because look at young athletes. There's no fear. I guess they haven't felt it yet. And yeah. it's like, I look at them with like pure jealousy. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish I could just grab that bar for the third time and do anything. Yeah. But yeah. It's, I always, when, when you ask that question, you know, obviously 
I was trying to look for like a good one uh, one word answer, you know, and when I first thought about it, I'm like, well, what is fear for me now? And, and fear is like, like you've said, like we've said is purpose, mm. right? I, 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 I live fearfully to do the things that I have to, right? So I just think about like how I've used that so much that now I'm almost a little bit like burnt out from it. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's like, it's like using the same needle. Yeah. You know, it's like reaching into the same box of chocolates. You're, you're going to run out of fuel. Right. And that's why I like when people are like, oh, wait, you got to lift angry. I'm like, oh, man, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I don't connect like that. Right. You know? I, and you're, it's funny you say that because you're one of like three people that I've heard say that where I'm like, yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> Other people are like, you're just a pussy. Okay. Yeah. Like, think about it. And then there's some people that... I'm like, okay, that's a good idea. Use yeah. a different set of tools. And I can feel it too. Like when I try to like tap into like that fear and I try and turn fear into anger, mm. like I can feel like my body responding with like, when people are like, hey man, like nice, nice job, nice squat. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> right? Because like I, I want to lunge at them. Like shut the fuck up. Oh man. I, I yeah. And I, I like, obviously that's not really me. Like, <laughs> But I get into that side and I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, why am I hurting this person for giving me grace and compassion? Right. It's so weird. But yeah, I've noticed that like fear has become purpose for me and it's been that driver. Would you say that that's how you felt in terms of as you've grown? So that's a good question. I used to think, like most people, that fear was like that, like a cancer, right? Yeah. And even if it is, how I perceive it has changed. It had to change. Yeah. Do I think fear is, should it be my only fuel source? Should it be um, the driving force of all things? Not necessarily. But to deny its existence and its weight, I think is folly. To push it away when you feel it, to not sit with it, to look at it as an enemy, to look at it as a as something torturous, as I used to do, as a way of being weak, to speak of fears, to sit with fear, to admit fear, to show fear. I mean, trying to come up in what used to be a very masculine society, but fighting and things is Fear was fear is weakness, leaving the you know leaving the body and blah 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 pain, and you're like that's for pussies, and you push all these things out because you just want to be a monster, yeah, and you want to be this animal, right? But but the most dangerous animals in the world survive because of fear. The most dangerous people I've ever met in my life are some of the most scared human beings I've ever met in my life, and I realize that I am that way too, yeah. Fear is probably 60-70% sometimes of how I feel about things. And if I can take that half, more than half full cup and use some of it for a fuel source, mm. then I too will be that animal. Because what's the most dangerous animal in the world? An injured animal, mm. a cornered animal, something that is scared of dying. It, it knows that life is a gift. It is one to live the animal does not know of afterlife or buddha or whatever the fuck you want to believe in that's it man and you know what he's like if you're going to come get this 
I'm going to make it really hard here. And then is when you explore things like courage, right? But does an apple have courage? Right? I mean, it's up for conversation. I'm not telling you yes or no. Right. But you know what they do have? Fear. Fear. Yeah. So do we. Right? Because if we're going to deny, if we're going to sit here as two men and as people, as listeners, men and women, that we are primal, right? We, we lift weights because we want to explore that primal side that we're animals. We want to lift it. It doesn't necessarily mean anger or happiness. It's just this primal feeling of survival. You against the weights, you against yourself, you against life. Yeah. What is more primal than fear? I would say it's more primal than love. I And you know love is like the answer that I've come up with. I'm like, but if most of my, a lot of my percentage of my fuel is fear, then if I continue to deny it and not sit with it and reshape it as what it's not, I'm not going to progress in life. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you this uh, personal story to some of my listeners. I haven't really posted about it, whatever. And this is probably the, sh the shittiest part of life. Is like three weeks ago, I almost lost my father. And he had uh, high blood pressure and it caused a brain bleed. And I remember this moment clearly because I have, you know, me, I do, I think I've said my dad's eulogy in the shower like a hundred times. I do those things. I told you I practice eulogies. And when it came to the moment of, hey, you, in lack of a better words, you need to go in there and, and say your, your words because your father is intubated and he's going into brain surgery. And that might be the last time you see him alive. <laughs> There's two types of pain, saying goodbye and not being able to say goodbye. And both of those are their own hell. <laughs> I'm not going to say one is easier than the other. I fucking guarantee you that both have their own help. I, in some ways, have been through both. But to be given that choice and that gift of doing it and having to see him rolled away and seeing my mother say goodbye to my father, which is single-handedly the worst thing I've ever seen in my life because the story of Nora, Nora and Hugo de la Pava is fucking beautiful. That is true love on earth. Mm -hmm. And to see my mom, like, like pet him goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. 10 out of 10, right? And I'm like, okay. And this is something I discussed. I'm like, nothing in life prepares you for this. But I was talking to one of my lifters, Juliana, and she goes, but this is what we train for. I said, fuck yeah. I can tell you right now that nothing in life will prepare you for the loss of anyone you really love. Nothing, nothing. That being said, Throughout the years of strength and training and believing that the impossible is possible when you surpass these things that they said to you, you will never do. That being part of sport and that has pushed you beyond your human limit to not accept that impossible is possible. I can fucking tell you right fucking now on my life that I knew that my father was going to live. I am not a faithful man. I would bet my fucking life that he was going to make it. I, anyway, I didn't miss a fucking training session. I didn't miss a meal. I didn't miss... No one even knew what was going on. Everything looked the same. You know why, bro? And it's not because I'm... It's not because I wasn't afraid. I was terrified, John. Yeah. Every waking moment was, I'm getting the phone call that my dad is fucked. Here it is. Because the first three days of... An ICU intubated with a brain surgery, brain fucking tube coming out of his head, fluids, blood pressure. All you've ever been ICU is beep, 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 beep. 
shit's fucking insane, right? It's one thing when you see somebody else. It's one thing when you're looking at your father and you think, you know what I felt? Fear, John. Fucking fear. There was nothing else to, I mean, nothing. There was no other emotion. Fear was the predominant in that room. And yes, there were moments of courage. He's going to make it, you know. And, but that feeling of, I knew he was going to make it, was surrounded with fear. Mm. And that's that's reality. That's life, right? To sit there and come back out of that situation. No, I'm fine. I wasn't fine. You know one's fine, right? Yeah. And in that moment, I realized why I was so better prepared. Had this happened five, six, seven years ago, you would have found me in some alley, passed out, wasted as fuck, or in jail, or dead. Because I couldn't sit with my fear. I drowned it. I would do so much of everything to make fear just push far away and have my liquid courage to to call myself a pussy for doing that, to hit training, not because I was scared or confident, but because I was just, oh, I'm strong, I can do it. You know, I'm not gonna sit with my fear. I'm, I'm a man, I'm a badass. Yeah. And so that was a driving force for me that <laughs> I realized and I came to this, an epiphany, a forced perception change by life, or at least a perception affirmation, that's a better term. That the reason I could sit in that fucking room and see a tube going down my father's fucking face was because I knew that I can sit with fear and be okay with it. Yeah. That I knew that the, I was scared of the unknown, but I was also scared of what was happening. And I said, okay, this is a great fuel source. This is going to make me get up tomorrow at 5 a.m. and hit legs and cook my meals. Despite that, I want to puke. To hug my mother and hug my sister and be a good son, brother, and leader, but also a coach. That other people were texting me about, oh, my knee hurts. And I'm like, tell me more. Because so, I know that that fear is there too. What I love about all of this is because, you know, I love to tie things into stuff we've done. Mm -hmm. Is that fear became your driver for you to literally ask for more weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy hey, shit. I, it's, I, yeah. You know what? And it's like, I'm, I'm, this is what we train for. You know, if we were to go back and go to our podcast some more weight, this is where we are now. I think you and me and this, everyone that's listening has way more weight than when that episode was recorded. Oh, yeah. And that was only a couple years ago. Yeah. And if it's like, this is what we train for, John. This is what these conversations are. This is a sincerity and genuine response that this is what you fucking train for. Mm -hmm. This is the psychology of sport. This is the spirituality that you find when you train. If you're this far into the fucking podcast, think about why you do what you do. That elation, that that challenge, that this bar could kill me, this show can crack me. Trust me that that correlates into life. Trust me that being an athlete and pushing my body to the fucking limit, aside from many other aspects of my life, please don't let me <laughs> exclude that, but primary, primarily source of it yeah. is fucking training. That when this happened, when this landed on my fucking doorstep, I said, just like when you tell me, I bet you can't lift that, I said, hold my fucking beer. Mm. Right? Because I just know. I just know. It's that confidence that I built through what? Through training, through pushing my body and my mind, through sitting alone with injuries and fear and leadership and isolation and fear and going 
in that pocket of fear I found my diamond made through pressure that I just fucking know. It's just, when I, you, who's been on in front of me in that platform, I go, you're going to fucking get this. You can feel it in your goddamn bones. You know why? Because I know that you're going to get it. Yeah. I just know. And when I don't think you're going to get it, I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. Right? <laughs> I don't just milk it. You know, I don't lie. Yeah. And it's the same situation I felt with my father. I just knew. So, you know, I think a lot of the people are, are going to listen to this. Uh, and they all have their own fears and they all have, all have these problems. So when a couple, you mentioned a couple of years ago, how you would fall apart. And uh, now, right, it's totally different. So what are some base daily practices outside of like, hey, I'm just going to go pick the barbell up or I'm going to whatever. Right. What are the daily practices that we can use to start preparing? Absolutely. Sharpen the mind. That's a great question because we always want to always, like we do in a great way. And thank you for for bringing that up. Is We always, sticking, stay in the course is an action item. Yeah. How do we do this, right? And I want to say that identifying things is very important. Identifying what's important to you first and foremost. Yeah. If going out drinking with your friends is more important than the gym, I be truthful to yourself. I'm not judging you. Just know what's more important. I know that I love going out drinking with my friends, but it's not always more important, not always more important than training because training has provided more of a better Michael De La Pava for all my friends than alcohol, my MDLP. Fun times, great times, but the person that I know people care about, love, respect is what has been forged through training and everything outside of drugs and alcohol. It's just fun to be that person every once in a while, but it can't be. So identifying what's important to you is first and foremost. Whether it's training, family, traveling, stick to something that you identify. As far as athletes are concerned, if you're listening to this and that's who you are, your sport is probably your identified as one of the most important things in your life. Number two, and I know this is you know, kind of cliche at this point, but consistency is key. Am I doing something that I can sustain? Going to the gym, making my meals, showing up to work, being a leader, responding to text, should not fall to the wayside because there's a hardship going on in your life. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, if you've ever needed to be more consistent is when the world around you is falling apart. And the first thing people want to do when there's something hard is they want to isolate. Yeah. And you know what you're doing? You're creating more fear. You're distancing yourself from your consistency. Let me say that again. You are distancing yourself from your consistency. You are literally killing yourself. And it's fear-driven. When you can use that same fear to get you into the gym, to get you to make your meals, to shovel food down your throat. Because eating is a gift. Being able to chew is a gift. Being able to have so much protein, (laughs) you're upset in your stomach, is a fucking gift. It's a privilege. It's not as bad as you think. Trust me, even with anxiety is the worst thing on the planet. But consistency in that and consistency in your actions are always going to breed a better solution. Yeah. Everything after that is just a caveat. I can't I can give you a million reasons, you know, discipline. Okay, sure. So is motivation. These are all things that are really important. But discipline is driven by consistency you know and and motivation is the daughter of both of those concepts 
And of course I have motivation. Of course I'm like, well, if I continue to lift and I make my father happy, I go, but I'm not just lifting for my father just because he's in a fucking hospital bed. I always lift for my father. I always lift for my friends. Yeah. I lift for me. I lift for, for expression and legacy. Why does that have to change? It's like only celebrating your mom on Mother's Day. Shame on you. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's important to buy her flowers on that day, but every once in a while, hey, mommy, te quiero. You're the best. Or hey to your brother. I know you piss me off sometimes, but I love you, dog. Yeah. And that's consistency. It's sustainable. It's part of who you are. And when things are falling off around you, is when you have to grip even tighter. And people... How do we sit with fear? Mm. Patiently. Right? And here's a here's a concept to me. That's a great question. It's not so much about identifying your fears. I think we can all kind of have a grasp of what we fear, at least on the surface level. Right. But it takes patience to sit with what the root cause is. It takes introspection. Introspection. Is like a muscle. You have to train it. You have to train that articulation of emotions. It's 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 a training. I just had this discussion not too not too long ago. To be able to talk about your emotions is like a muscle. You have to train it. Talk to yourself. That's Explore these conversations. But people just it's like these podcasts. Yeah. I mean, you can start with from episode one to now. It's it's a muscle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can hear it. It's like, did we read more books? Did we know? It becomes now a part of our lives, right? It enriches our conversations with others. It allows us to listen more. It allows us to feel more vulnerable and to articulate these feelings, right? It's, it's not a practice. How do you sit with fear? By sitting with fear more. By taking it out to dinner. By buying it something nice. Understanding why you're feeling this fear. Where does it come from? And seeing what it's doing to your life, whether you're using it as a fuel source or as a way to be an asshole. And as long as you don't lie to yourself, it's going to show you better and better. And I think it's with patience and, of course, discipline and the consistency of sitting with it. Of course, yes, yes, all of that. But patience with yourself. And I hate to use this fucking word. Compassion. And that it's that your fear is your fear. Mm. and then that's very okay but what does it really come from you know like i said fear of the dark was it really fear of the dark and monsters or is it fear of being alone right and even though i discovered that as a child i think people are discovering that in their 20s 30s and 40s <laughs> yeah. they come up with a oh am i really um am i scared of being angry or am i just scared of being of disappointing people. And if I'm scared of disappointing people, where does that come from? And allowing those emotions to talk, right? It's like, and that's why I always suggest to go to therapy or to speak with someone. But also to be a better student, you have to have talked. Yeah. So when you get to that therapist and you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm sad, you know, you're just going to make their work harder and you're going to have more sessions as opposed to you sitting with yourself or having a conversation with close friends. And as an athlete, Look at your look at your training. Yeah. Look at your encompassing of why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Is it really injury you're scared of, 
Or is it not being able to do something? Is it loss of control? Is it scared of the unknown injuries? Is it the distance that now you cannot do what you love to do? Is it because you think now you're going to be away from your friends? And now you can't train with them. So now you, they're going to leave you behind. Mm. And these conversations are very important to sustain the backbone of what you think you need to do to go forward. It's, it's, it's what we want. We want to sit with that weight. We want to sit and explore what this means. And I, was, I came by, it was funny because I was looking up, obviously, quotes. And I looked up some peer-reviewed journals for fear, which there are tons of. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, man, I can make a whole episode about the responses and physiological issues that the fear causes in athletes. It does. The perception of it, the blood pressure, the neurology, the ability to recruit muscle fibers is af affected by fear, perception, belief. Obviously, we just had a my webinar about the, the three mental aspects of going into a thing. Those are three tools to sit with and practice almost against fear before a lift. Right, how to dress the part, trust your training. All these concepts that we said on that webinar is they're tools, just like fear. And it was I was looking at this peer review, I forgot which one it was, but they quoted Charlie Brown. I thought it was great. Huh. Right? Okay. So I said Charlie Brown, for some of you guys that don't know, you fucking millennial children. Charlie Brown is also, you know, with, with the little guy with the dog and he dresses up as, as Peanuts and Snoopy and the little bird. Every Thanksgiving you've ever had? Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. The Great Pumpkin? I showed a picture of Conan the Barbarian to one of my 15-year-old athletes. If you say this, okay. Let me just, dead I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop it right there. I didn't know who he was. Okay. And don't worry. He's being punished. He's being punished. The worst. And he says, Charlie Brown once said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time <sighs> fuck <laughs> isn't that great god i was like charlie brown yeah, charlie brown all right cb one day at a time right and that that if you look at it deeper prevents you from losing yourself into the tomorrow of the unknown there is no other training session when other than your training session at the moment and then we think about the numbers. Yeah. But in that moment that you're going to deadlift and it's today's plan, 585, and that's the moment, that's the squat, that's all that matters. It's one day at a time, one lift at a time. Dread it one moment at a time, one rep at a time. Chill. There is no other second rep if this is only for a single. And how do you do that? Fucking practice. Because what do we say? Everything is practice. That's right. And that's how you fucking do it. And it, it should bring a smile to your face because... Practice is fucking fun. It's a gift. It's a luxury to be able to practice on yourself. It's it's a luxury to sit with your own mind because you're of sound mind. It, because you're capable to sit in a fucking AC room with your dick hanging out after fucking Pornhub and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think about why I'm sad. You lucky motherfucker. Yeah. As opposed to people who don't even have the chemical makeup to do that without medication. Or a situation where they're so worn thin that they don't even have the capacity to be alone. So, as athletes, if you have a coach, a culture, a lifting room, a capable body, you have some tools in your toolbox. And start picking and choosing which ones you want. Yeah. And that's super valuable to me. Fear 
it's typically used as like a cautionary situation. So then how does it become <coughs> being able to almost ignore that expression of caution? Like how are we able to get past that fear? Because truthfully it is a, a preventative thing. Like, Hey, these are the things that could happen to you. This even outside of injury, just, you could lose your house, you can lose your wife, you could lose your job. How do we push past those knowing that that could be an outcome? Let's just say that the odds are 50-50. Right. How do you get there? How do you move past? That's a great question. We talked about it one time on a different podcast. And here's an example. Let's use a 50 Let's say I, you know, we have Ray here filming for us. And I say, Ray, I'm going to make you deadlift 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's gonna, if I show him day one right now, I go deadlift 500. A hundred percent scared, not 50, 50, a hundred percent scared, maybe 90, 10, because he also has the will of a man to do it. Fuck it. 90, 10. Is he going to pull 500? I mean, probably not. I don't know his numbers per se. I I know it's not 500. It might be one day though, but are you, am I really going to do that? How am I going to get him to have a 60, 40, a 70, 30? And that's by training and 90, 10 percentiles and 80 to 20. 70 and so on. Here's an example. I'm going to start him off with something where he's 80% sure of himself and 20% scared. Let's start at 225. Mm-hmm. How is he going to approach that? Body language, swagger, his songs, big dick energy, right? Yeah. Okay. We do that long enough. 315 now is the 80 20 mentality. We do that with repetition, we do that with practice, we do it with a program, with a plan, with a purpose. That's what training real athleticism is when you look beyond the practicality that's why i like to train practical that's why it's like leg extension rdls lunges bss do i have you jumping on a box with a single leg you know on a bosu ball is it necessary no if we're still mastering and making progress on the simplicity of things because you're very sure of your bulgarian split squats if necessary you gotta keep bringing those up yeah because i know why i hate those things i love it but never do them. I mean, I do them every day. They're so, one of the fucking worst. <laughs> worst. Um, that was my knee cracking, by the way. So <laughs> as we speak, so I train the athlete in a a space where he's going to. His confidence is always in a higher approach, and you build that sustainability. Yeah. <clears throat> Over time, his four hundred five is the eighty twenty, not the two twenty five. So that if I go, okay, now you're pulling four fifty five through repetitions, through practice, and you're 70-30 in the sense of 70% sure, 30% scared, because no matter what, we're always a little scared. And I present him a 500-pound deadlift. It's no longer 99-90%. It's maybe a 70-30, 60-40, or maybe even better, 80-20. Right? Because he's building mindset. Let's not even talk about the biomechanic, physical aspect of more muscle mass, better technique, better bracing, stronger core, good technique. That's the obvious, but how did he do it psychologically by preparing the athlete mentally with, did you see, how did that feel? Do you see you can fucking do it? Write that down. Assure yourself, go up to that bar with some courage, grab that bar with tenacity, with purpose, words that are absent of almost emotion. They're like execution words, execute it, do it. That fucking felt good, didn't it? Remind them that that's nice, isn't it? Right? Give them that fucking gusto. You know what they're going to do? It's going to play in their head. Because I still hear Wesley, my coach, 
15 years later. Trust your training, Mikey. Listen to your breath. Trust your training, Mikey. I say it all the time, and now I say it to my lifters. Trust your mind. Trust your training. Mm -hmm. This is what you train for. This is good. Right? It feels good, doesn't it? You like that? You feel that? Right? You're getting goosebumps, right? Because that's what I say, Motherfucker. right? <laughs> <laughs> I live that life. And now his 500, when we prepare him both physically and emotionally and physiologically and psychologically, it's no longer 100%. And how do we do that in life? Same way. I am not a person that 100% is like, oh, if you're really scared of fights, take me to the take me to the fucking top of a building and pretend to push me. I know there's some old school psychology perspectives that believe that that's going to work. Like, oh, you're scared of swimming? Just push the kid in. Yes, and cause a whole lifeline thing of trauma, and then he's going to skin cats the rest of his fucking life. Like, <laughs> well done, Ralph. You shouldn't have done that. And I mean, that's... Not Ralph. I mean, Ralph the dad. I just put that word. Ralph is such a dad name. But, um, it is. Or Josh. Like dad Josh. But if you think about that, then how do we do that as, as people? Expose yourself in a scenario where you're starting to practice a little bit better against your fear. I talked to my nephew about this often. I'm like, well, you're an artist. And one day you're going to have to present your, your skills. And he asked me about speaking in, in public and talking to people. I said, it's practice. At your age, I was I took a speech class, <clears throat> public speaking, in college, and I was fucking terrified. Yeah. Shaking, had to read the words. Now, I mean, you I talk about a toilet in front of a whole toilet audience that buys toilets. I'll be like, watch this. That's fucking 18 years of practicing. Set yourself up in a scenario where you're starting to build that confidence. You're starting to sit with fear and know that it's it's a it's a tool set that it's it's a way of getting you to build courage that it's a it's a it is truly could be a gps it's understand it why it's why is it there in the first place and and, and practice it until that fear starts to diminish because operating with a high amount of fear is not okay right yeah. Even if, if it's 60% fear and I'm using it as a fuel source, I want to try and bring that down to a sustainable level because you also want some fear, right? You also, you can't feel courage without fear, but you also want some survivability. People that have zero fear are those people that jump off buildings for fun or fucking crazy murderers, 100%. They have no, on a chemical level, and their serotonin and dopamine responses are way up. They don't even flinch. Their fear levels are low. That's very dangerous. So I'm not telling you to completely destroy fear but bring it to a level where you're operating yeah and this is how you do it i mean that's how i think you should do it yeah it's almost like a small <clears throat> win system like and that's something that i preach to my stepson very often is like hey man i know your situation is challenging let's just find some wins today you know that's kind of how i motivate him to get ahead of his his uh his narcolepsy and stuff it's like and hey, it's challenging at a young age <laughs> yeah yeah, to be that young and to, to have, you know, he has like two versions. He has narcolepsy and cataplexy. So Jesus he, he gets very tired and like his, it's almost like, uh, like not exactly like fainting goat stuff, but what? similar where like the body will turn off. Yeah. The brain will stay conscious, but the body turns off for seconds. And you'll like look at him in his eye and you'll see like the body start to kind of go on him. It's like I've, I've really had the hammer home uh, teaching him how to win small, but also at the same time being so terrified of like what happens to him next right how do i get him to develop his life when he has 
something so challenging that none of us can relate to it. Right. And that, I mean, relating to that is it's difficult <clears throat> and at, at, at that age, too, because we were all there at that age. And the first thing is, like, you don't understand me. <laughs> at 18, you and I, well, a little different, but yeah. we basically had no fears at 18. This kid has the one of the worst case scenarios. He's been hit early with it. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's better you're teaching them now than when you were young, because you probably just wouldn't be the same. But it, it's like a coach is a coach. Yeah. A good coach is a coach, even though, of course, they should have some experience in the sport. Or a good leader is a good leader, right? Here's an example. <laughs> so I, I walked in, and when my dad, um, we got the, the CT scan, and, and the neurosurgeon came in, and he's like, Connor Berger who saved my father's life and we owe you tremendously. I am, I know who you are cause I creeped on your Instagram. I don't know if you ever hear this podcast, but you saved my old man's life. That's pretty cool. So he walks into the room, shorter Irish guy. I think he's Irish. He looks Irish. I've never met this man before in my life. Never. And I've met doctors. I don't care if you're a fucking the best surgeon. I know when I see bullshit. I know when I see poor leadership. Doctor doesn't make you a leader. It makes yeah. you a specialist. Just like I see soldiers. Soldiers, you're not a hero. You're just a soldier. But I know heroes. I know heroes that carry the camo and carry a flag. And I know he heroes are single moms fighting for their lives. Two different warriors. My mother's a hero. My father's a hero. To me. Yeah. And... He walks in and he's like, your father's brain bleed is severe. It's in the back of his brain and it's very dangerous. If we don't perform surgery, your father has a possibility of not making it. I said, what are the, I said, what are the percentages if we don't operate? He says, maybe 30. And then I was going to say, what are the percent, like, what are the odds if he does? And as a nerd, as Han Solo mm. never tell me the odds. So I said, I caught myself. I go, what are the, is this going to be tough? And he looked at me and he looked at me and goes, it's going to be very hard and extremely dangerous, but we have the best team possible and we're going to do everything we can to keep your father alive. Fuck. Done. Done. There was a stillness in my heart. I don't know this man. Yeah. But I know leadership. And somewhere in there, I know that man has been through something. Fear. And he could see it in my eyes. Straight scared. Twice his size, and I felt like he just carried me on his palm. I was like, I gave in to my fear. I looked at him like, I'm scared. Yeah. Tell me something. And that's what leadership is. And that's absent of roles. That guy doesn't know the relationship between my father he doesn't know how strong I am or what I've been through or my fears or nothing. He's never lived my life. Just like your son may never, you may never understand your son or that, or he doesn't know that you never lived that. But leadership and those skills that you're developing now and that what we're doing now, it, it transcends it. Trust me, it lands, whether they understand it yet or not. I know that if he told me that when I was 20, I wouldn't, I'd be like, Tom, what's up, man? Like, are you going to save my dad? Like, you know, I would have been more, a little bit more rambunctious. Yeah. That's all I needed. And I was like, and I tell you that from experience because leadership transcends things. You know, coaching may be the wrong terminology. Not all coaches are leaders. Some coaches are just specialists. 
leadership, like just like not all fathers are leaders, not all mothers are leaders, right? That is able to tie those things in, and that's something that I again, you know, I was able to admit my fear to show my fear, yeah, and it allowed me to understand that answer with greater magnitude. Because I was just so fucking scared. And I was like, I am just going to show it. I'm not going to smother it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm going to practice what it feels like to tell somebody and to trust someone with vulnerability and say, is my father going to be okay? And that hearing, we don't know, but we're going to do our best was enough. Which is awful, but enough. And then this was practice. And as morbid as it is, it's practice. Yeah. And we said. So what about like, uh, do you have almost like a, someone you turn to, like, it's going to be kind of a stupid term, but maybe like a fear mentor? There's someone that you go to when you feel that you can't figure out or you can't push past what you feel in that moment? It's a good question. I've had this conversation not too long ago. I think it's important to do have both. Just be able to sit with yourself and to be able to have confidence. I approach different aspects with people in my life differently. I have a cabinet of friends that all serve their purpose. Yeah. I have, you know, you're one of those guys. We keep it simple. And I think our shorter words speak magnitude because we understand each other with less. Absolutely. And there's other people where I have to fucking write a fucking novel. And there's other people that I use to joke with and other people that I use to do bad things with when I need to forget. <laughs> and it's important to understand that all those people, you know, my cousin, obviously being a, I mean, I'm like, we need a day, but wait till December 13th where I'm just going to literally ball on your shoulder, but let me get there first. Yeah. And he knows that. And we have this, he's one person that's very well-rounded for me. Obviously I have my family and my girlfriend who has been there for me and so many things. My sister, <sighs> bad bitch man we're so alike and so you know they all serve purposes my yeah. brother who has been phenomenal and i'm shouting out my family and nora de la Paz because you guys are fucking amazing and then my, my gym guys you know and girls yeah and i had to release pressure slowly you know my, there are people like mike why don't you stop why don't you take a break i'm like a that's not who i am and i'm not gonna not be who i am because of this situation yeah because life is gonna get harder if this scenario is hard, when I lose him or anyone, it's going to be harder. So I cannot lose sight of who I am and what I want to do. I want to still be successful. In the week that my father was ICU, and I don't mean this to brag, I don't. I just, this is who I am. Sold like 60-something sweaters. We secured a beer thing with Unbranded. We went to Alabama, and Vinny and Bash pulled through second at fucking Worlds. We dominated. I heard my dad's first word on the phone in Alabama, son. Yeah. You never lose sight of who you are. Consistency. I am who I am and I'm good at that shit. That's just the best at what I am. I'm good at being me. And I did, I've done that by tying the shoes of giants and leaning on their shoulders. And sometimes those giants are my friends. Yeah. They're my family. They're the barbell. But ultimately, myself included. I have to sit myself when I'm having those shower cries like a fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> and... And sitting with that, 
and sitting with myself, speaking to myself, encouraging myself, showing myself that I can do it, that it's it's okay to feel a lot of things. Yeah. And talking to myself as I do to you. And <laughs> something that I'm working on. And that it's definitely Mandy with my nutritionist who's helped me understand certain things as well. And I shout her out because she's the one that told me to use this word. And I fucking hate it. It's truly compassion. Yeah. And having conversations with close friends. Because if I can, you know, give compassion to you and understanding, and, and I need to do it with myself. So both. Do I have friends that I that have saved my life in ways that they don't understand? You know how that works out? By being consistent. Right? If you start messaging me more because something's wrong, you're going to piss me off. Because now you're feeling sorry for me. And you know that because you know me. That's why you don't message me every day because I'll be like, fuck off. <laughs> because it's, you don't do that. You know, you know me already. Yeah. But people that don't know me are texting me often. Hey, how's your dad? Hey, how's my... How... You weren't asking about me two months ago, dude. Yeah. Now you're my best friend? No offense to you guys are asking that. I thank you very much. And I don't think you should... And here's the, the 180 to that. At one point, people stop asking. Because it's my father. Mm-hmm. It's my fucking problem. It's my fear to tackle. So you also have to be able to stand on your own. And I can't get offended that I'm not getting the how are you? My father is learning how to walk. This is not easy. The hardest parts are yet ahead. Yeah. So it's not like we're out of it. And I mean, it's like injury, right? The first you first few days of surgery, everyone's, how are you? What do you need? Two weeks in when it's really hard? <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's you, really. It's you who has to sit with yourself and be like, how can I pass this? Yeah. I man, am I ever going to be the same again? It hurts to fucking move. It clicks. It cracks. I'm I'm half the man I used to be. You're masculine. You can't sleep. Fuck. Laugh. Turn. Fuck. Yeah. Right? But you have to learn how to sit with yourself. So if I were to say to solidify that, it's important to have your cabinet of friends and trust them. Trust them that they want the best for you. But some friends have to be taken into where you need to have the maturity to execute a good conversation with them. Get in the steering wheel. You know, do you really need a whole novel? And pick which friends you need at a certain time. That's okay. We all know that all friends, certain friends serve certain purposes. Right. And some are bigger than those. That's right. Know which ones you are. And which ones to choose and which ones to open up to. Give yourself some time, man. When you're going through some hardships and training or, or life, give yourself some fucking patience. Right? Because if you don't have patience with yourself, why should you be talking to other people? That's why, I mean, this is the first time I speak publicly other than like to the gym about the scenario because I wasn't ready. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. I don't need the, oh my God. You know, I'm not good at that. It's so funny because I was just thinking about that, how it ties into when you don't compete well or you get injured. Oh my God. And the same way you're treated is like, and then it becomes, well, what's the easier path? The easier path is to lay down and die, you know, to be like, oh, well, I'm injured, so I don't have to do this or... Yeah, I lost them. Now, no one's expecting me to do anything. Right. Everyone's expecting me to quit. And they're giving me the pass. And that's why it becomes easy. It becomes easy because you can, everyone's saying, hey, you quit? Hey, man, I get it. <laughs> I would quit too. Oh. You're like, fuck. Oh. And that's uh, why you get fiery like that because that turns you into like, I'm not, this isn't the fucking end. Like, yeah, what? It's not overdue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chill. It's, it's your like. Right. Exactly. And. I think that perspective transcends, yeah. right? Um, 
And I think it's because I've never been more scared in my life. I mean, this may... It, it's not that it's watered everything now. It's that it's elevated my vision. My own vision. Not what I think your fear is. Or what I think their problems are. But it elevated me into going, if I'm going to touch the sun, am I looking down? Ever. And I have to look down. And brother, it hurts. <laughs> because it's so easy to touch the sun and never look back. It's easy for me. I love self-destruction. I love to work myself to the bone. I love to hurt. It's just a fucking thing that we do. Mm -hmm. I need to feel it. But I had to slow that down to be there for my family. And to view what I needed to view as the one of the greatest fears of my life. And to identify that I was not prepared, but that I had trained the right way. And those concepts are ingrained through work, through love of work. And that's the armor pieces that we build, right? That's the dents and the dings and the rust. And I tell people all the time, go fucking train with purpose. Because this is what it prepares you for. Go, I mean, you guys have been to that gym. You better fucking have a goddamn purpose when you're training for something. Not all the time, but have it. Because there's swift reminders that you, the best reminders in life are going to come when you don't fucking want <laughs> Because trust me, dude, even if you did, <laughs> no one's prepared for bullshit. It's a lie. You're lying to yourself. But you can train for the impact. Yeah. Right, you can train for that. It reminds me of that scene of the king. You remember the movie The King? Mm -hmm. And I love this scene. It's when his buddy, they're gonna take that 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 first advance. Basically, they're going in to die. They're gonna draw in the French. And he's telling them, he's like, Well, I'm built for this. And I'm like, and what is he doing? And I know it was picturesque, is that he's putting on his armor pieces. Because he's like, Well, I'm going in to die, but and it was his armor that he had in the box. And I saw that that way. I saw that through my eyes. I said, that box of his armor is like our training tools, right? Not only our shoes and our straps and our knee sleeves that smell like shit. And there's that funk of when you open up your training, there's like that comfort, right? That smell, even though it smells, it's your smell. It's what hard, hard work smells like. But in that box too is your courage. It's your perseverance. It's your will to win. It's all the more weight. It's everything you've ever built in this little fucking box. And you open it. And you say, you know what? I was built for this. It's game time now. So whatever comes my fucking way, I'm fucking ready. And if I die on that hill, I die on that fucking hill. But I die my way. Because I have trained for this moment. And I felt it. And I have never been more sure of that. Everything we did in life is to prepare for that fucking moment. And those moments are going to keep coming, brother. Over and over. And instead of that one hill, it's like Sisyphus. You're going to roll that fucking stone up and come right fucking down. What are we training for? The more weight concept, the philosophy of digging down. These are fucking everything. And that's why I always, I'm such a big component, a big pusher of fucking training hard. Because it, it does push you. When you get that extra rep. When you win that competition, 
when you get that handshake that you wanted for so long, when you get that look of respect, when you thought that was impossible. And I fucking, man, I drive that shit home so much. And I've never been more sure. I mean, I've had three fucking surgeries, a career and then spine injury. I've lost best friends, family members. I've been on the verge. But the last few months have shown me so much. And I didn't want this fucking year. This has probably been the worst year of my fucking life. <laughs> yeah. The last 12 months have been the hardest fucking months of my entire life. But there's more. Yeah. Here we so go. that box is still there. Yeah. And I can't, bro, I can't throw, I'm like, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Open up that stink. That's nuts, man. It's, it's funny because, uh, you know, it's something that I talk to a lot about with the young guys that I train with that are also competing is, uh, you know, one's dealing with a pretty nasty hip injury. And he was talking about, you know, in no way do I want to be a coach or anything like that, but I wanted to have a man-to-man conversation with him. He's a young kid, and, uh, you know, he squatted, and he had a bad squat or whatever, and he was upset by it. And I was like, I overheard him talking about all the things that he did that were that were not the norm for him. He didn't, he didn't drink as much water. He missed a couple meals. He didn't sleep good. And I said... Well, how much did you miss it by? And he was like, well, I, was, I wanted to do about 30 pounds more. And I'm like, so you got that close on a day you knew was bullshit. That is not a loss. You have to win. You got to fucking find the wins. And in this year that you've had, you're still finding these wins. Yep. And I've, uh, we, <laughs> we learned that from the trenches. Emotionally, physically, because... You have to swim in that muck. Mm-hmm. Mm. You have to go into the dark waters and the deep waters. You have to spend time there. Like with, with it's the whole purpose. Like, what is dark water but a, a physical or anecdotal or picturesque manifestation of fear? What is climbing the mountain? What is facing the beast? What is David and Goliath? What is fighting the rage? These are all concepts and and manifestations of ideas of fear. Mm. why do we do what we do you know why I do what I do because I want to know that I can because I don't want to be a fucking pussy Puss, that concept is don't be scared yeah you can say it however you want it's about fighting fears because but see I welcome that challenge I welcome my opponent I want fear to be at its best when I beat her I want her to be healthy I want her to be thriving I want her to be strong so that when I fucking win, I'm like, I won today. I'll see you tomorrow. Right? Is that not Valhalla? Mm-hmm. Is that not every day? Isn't it a battle every day and a feast at night? Because you were able to wake up and get out of bed. For some people, that's the biggest W. I'm not going to think I'm better than you because I fucking went and competed and lifted and made money or lost money. Sometimes getting out of bed is a W. Brushing your teeth, hugging your family, kissing your loved ones, breathing, going downstairs, driving to work, cracking a smile. But you have to be reminded, you have to sit with fear, that daily dread and beat it. Because your perception on it is every day life is going to hand me a fucking steak dinner of fear and I'm going to devour the motherfucker. Some days I'm going to have a stomachache and not finish. Some days I can't finish the entire meal, but I'm going to get after it. You're going to step in the ring. Just like that Apollo Creed and Sylvester Stallone. There is no fucking tomorrow. I love that shit. 
Because he's boxing like he thinks he's going to get out of the ring. Yeah. You're, you're living some days. It's okay to live life like there is no tomorrow. It's a tool set. It's it's a tool that you have to use every day. It's as fucking as as useful as a fucking screwdriver. You face it for the day. And I told somebody, I was talking to my uh, my nephew was training. He's like, oh, was a top single today, right? And let me put it in in, in training perspectives. Like this is easy for me, easy for all of us. It says top single. He's like, oh, I haven't really been training lately. I've been off for a couple of weeks. What do you think I should do? I said, take the top top single for the day. And I laugh because I go, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> Don't use it in comparative. You know, you're not going to get a PR today. Yeah. You already have the mindset that you have. In the get a couple singles. Get your perspective on what today's going to look like. And take today's single. If your best is 255, today might be 205. Now, you're not getting ready for a competition. You're not peaking for anything. It's not 100%. You might be, you know, fighting life. Today, you're going to have to do the dread for the day. You're going to take the W for the day. Not the week, not the month, not the year, not the lifetime. Just today, right now. You made that choice. It's a tool set. A mindset, a tool set. Who you are is a fucking choice. Mm -hmm. What you want to do today, execution is a choice. You take the single for the day. You take that W. You don't think about the numbers you hit in the past. You don't think about the numbers you can hit in the future. You just take that fucking W. You wipe off your fucking sweat and you get back to work. That tool set, because I don't want it to say that this is a mindset people should use all the time. It also gears you into some pussy shit where every day is the day, then you end up going back down. No, there needs to be progression. But the tool set of winning the day is very important. It could be technique. It could be depth. It could be pain-free. It could be volume, reps, perception, courage, attitude. These are all wins an athlete can have. If we're going to sit here and discuss about athleticism, we also have to accept the validity of psychology. Did you go in with a positive attitude? Did you come out with a positive attitude? Did you learn anything? Did you learn a technique, a bracing technique? Did you have a good conversation with your coach? Did you learn to articulate the session? These are all valuable assets of the athlete. As much as muscle maturity, bowel mechanics, range of motion, mobility, et cetera, et cetera, and strength and numbers. We accept that as a fact. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, how many W's can you really get? Yeah. And that is life. That's life in a training session. Some days are about the one lifted thing. The one thing you did today. Yeah. And if your life has purpose, which I hope most of you motherfuckers have, that one thing for the day is what we need to do. And I, I, I can't express that enough. Constantly telling people that. Your perception of the day and your purpose for the day is life changing. That's when people come into the fucking gym and they're like shrugging their shoulders. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I used to get really upset and be like, how do you not have a fucking idea of what you want to do? Now I'm like, well, let's, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. What can we get out of today? Well, honestly, I'm just having a really bad day. Just being here is a good, awesome. Awesome. You're here. Take off your nurse, doctor, scumbag, drug dealer, police officer coat and leave it outside. And be the athlete for a little bit. Why don't you have some fun? You want to do the log? Pick some stones? Yeah, that sounds good. Right there, you can see their life like <laughs> that fear just go from 80 to 60. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're not mad at me? No. Are you mad at yourself? Well, I was You were scared, right? That's yeah. okay. You're now you're, not, you're less afraid because you identify things we talked about. 
So now it's a 60-40. They get to work, 40-60. They leave the gym, 20. Big dick energy. Oh, I'm back, swaggering little pump. I've seen it so many times. It's what I do, what I do. So I love brick and mortar. Online is a little bit harder to get that. Yeah. And that's the same attitude you should have in life. Hmm? And I tell people that all the fucking time. So I get really adamant when I, when I, you know, and I, I bring up the issue with, like when I talked about my father and stuff, it's like, it works. It works because I know it works. A, I can explain to you psychology and the biomechanics and the chemical reaction of positive thinking and, you know, uh, visualization, which is such an important aspect and practicing these mental reps that we talked about in the webinar, webinar and practicing these concepts of confidence and and sitting with fear, manifesting it into something. I like to manifest it as a person because then I can visualize myself sitting with someone and having a conversation. Right. That's a tool set. How do you sit with fear? Identify it. You know, <laughs> I know somebody's going to like this. You know in Harry Potter, I know that's your favorite movie. You know? I've never seen they, it. Yeah, that's hilarious. They open a cabinet and it's supposed to be your greatest fear. Oh. And the psychology is interesting. Because in this cabinet, a your greatest fear is manifested into whatever the fuck it is. There's somebody's like a parent, a spider. When you manifest your fear in front of you, is when you have the greatest ability to destroy it or to sit with it and to attack it and to talk to it and to love it. It is a tool set. Now, if I was going to ask you, manifest the greatest love of your life in front of you, you should have the same ability to do that too. Those two things are tool sets. Because when you sit with the greatest love of your life and talk to it, something you can also feel fear of losing that love. Yeah. And when you sit with your fear, you got to under love that motherfucker. Both things are interchangeable. Very important. Yeah. Right? So that's how I see things. That's a cognitive exercise I challenge people with constantly. Like sit with it, manifest it. See if you can. Oh, but it's of the unknown. It's fine. Give it a shape. Give it a give it a smell. Give it a, a texture. Something you can sit with. Because the more real you make it, the less afraid you are. And that's just a, a practice. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to work every fucking time, but it's a visualization practice, and it's important. That makes sense. Mm. I like that. I learned something today. <laughs> Man, I'm on fire today, bro. Yeah, you're I right, feel right. this is why I didn't drink like, too heavy last night. Just enough. Just enough. Just enough. Just a tip. Well, well, you're a dad now, jerk. So it still works. <laughs> More than at least time. once. <laughs> Best two inches of your life, lady. Yeah, you better prepare yourself for, for this mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your lifetime of average. Two inches, three minutes. <laughs> the math works out. Um, but yeah, this one of those. Um, some of the things that are very important to me. And I run across this concept of, of constantly, you know, changing the perception we have on fear. Yeah. Changing the, the belief system of it. And now sitting with fear and using it as a fuel source is becoming something and should become the trajectory of where we go forward. Not a absence of it or a diminishing of it or a pushing away of it. It should become, you know, for me, and I, and I say this openly, and like I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of the things that I do in my life are because fear is there. Fear of loss, fear of failure, 
fear of letting people down, fear of injury. You know why I'm going back into training for Highland Games? Because I was so scared of tearing my bicep. I mean, my, I already tore that. <laughs> tearing my Achilles tendon. It's because I sat with my father and watching him die. Like literally dying in front of me. And to come back from that, yeah. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I have felt a bigger fear. My Achilles seems so small now. Because I sat with the 80-20 and I made a 20-80. I felt such a big fear of losing him. That losing my Achilles, I felt it was foolish. Because I was manifested into a bigger monster than it was. Mm -hmm. If I practice and take care of myself and mobilize it now, like as it was fucked up, I'll have a better fighting chance. But to live my life under fear, avoiding it, not challenging it, not sitting with it, and just avoiding things in general was not the right way. I saw it because I was forced to change my perspective on it. I said, I don't want it to go, but I think I can change certain aspects and use the things I've learned in life and these tool sets of you know, programming and setting myself up, throwing once or twice a week and building my courage and building my sustainability as I did last year before my fucking tricep problem. Those things matter. Yeah. And that was very important for me as an athlete too. I had to do it by myself. I don't think anyone else could have done it for me. And I tell people that all the fucking time. I said, if you're not sitting with yourself and analyzing, philosophizing about how you need to better yourself against, against and with your fears, not many people can help you there. Yeah. You can have your cabinet of ideas, but you have to train this with articulation and it's a practice. It's funny that you bring that up because in your seminar with Paul, we were talking about um, like understanding and managing stress levels. And then uh, I believe it was you who asked the question like, well, what's your, on a oh, scale yeah, of one yeah. to 10, what's your stress level? And I remember a like lot seven. of people were like seven and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I don't feel. And uh, you then brought in comparisons. You're like, well, let's, let's determine what a seven is. And he's like, right. I understand. He said, I understand that everybody's life is different, but is your seven comparable to having to save a life going into a house fire yeah. or putting on the badge and being shot at and all right. these things. And all of a sudden you start to watch the hands kind of go down. down. I go, yeah. And I asked how many of you have to go hunt food? Right. And how many of you are taking care of a dying family member? And how many are you getting shot at? Are there bombs going off down your street? You know, these are perspectives change, right? They're, you know, a lot of people raise their hands when they're stressed because they have manifested those those stress levels and they haven't identified why they're stressed or scared in the first place. Mm. I think a lot of stress and anxiety comes from a lack of understanding the baseline fear. You know, fear to me is the bigger umbrella. Anxiety, stress, disorders, some disorders are very much under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. A lot of my anxiety comes from not being able to control outcomes. I think most people can say that. Sure. My lack of control comes from a fear of feeling isolated from not being able to do anything. My distance, which is the word I use, from my ability to change and help people and help others. So as I start to kind of funnel in that concept, ultimately, my fear comes from distance and isolation, from being alone. That's my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears. Mm -hmm. So I tag that to other things. I let it engulf in almost like a cancer, grow into everything. Friendships, sports, love, 
family, relationships, business, where if I don't do well in my business, I'm not going to be loved. And if I'm not loved, I'm going to be distant from people I love, then I'll be alone. And I'm like, oh, so it's not that I'm scared not to succeed, it's that I'm scared of being alone and distant from things. And if I can tackle this, and I can tackle and sit and talk to my fears and understand that it doesn't have to be attached to everything, it doesn't have to destroy them, but instead go, okay, if being alone is probably one of my fir- my biggest fears, and I mean really alone, not alone in a room, alone. Right. I've seen what people, how they are when they die alone, it's terrible. But just to feel alone is hard too, because... Like I said, I'm a social loner. I can be in a room full of people and feel absolutely alone. And that gets better as I get a little bit older because I've allowed to sit myself, I sit with myself in these concepts of going, okay, let me make practices and consistent situations where I can use this as a fuel source, develop good friendships, better business patterns, do sports that are going to make me in a more winning scenario, be a better coach, be an open leader. Make sacrifices, make mistakes. Don't destroy myself too much because of these reasons. They all funnel down into this. As opposed to working from the outside. And okay, I do really good in business, but now I'm doing bad here and I'm doing that. Just go right to the root cause. Yeah. And if you really look at yourself and identify what your root fears are, instead of trying to bash it, sit with it. And you know what? It sucks dick. But anything good does. Yeah. Right? And I I tell people that constantly. And I hope that that perception and that perspective really is what uh, what drives people can change you as an athlete. But more importantly, it transcends into life. It doesn't mean... That's why I was like, you know, when people ask me, of course I'm fucking scared. Of course I'm fear-driven. I'm an animal. I'm a fucking animal fighting for rationalization right that's why i got into sports in the first place it's because i'm a fucking wild animal and i need something to sink my teeth into before i rip everything apart including myself i was fear driven and had no no direction a hundred percent fear driven i got into sport because i needed to prove that i had balls and courage that i was important that i was strong that i was better than you that i had glory remember all these things that we do yeah and then suddenly you're like oh you know, it's okay to have fear, but you don't always have to be the cornered lone wolf, <laughs> yeah. right? It's kind of weird when you're almost 40 and you're like, lone wolf, but I have like 600 friends. Like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, chill, chill, chill. I like people. And I tell that people all the time, it's just sitting there with that, that concept. Yeah. It changes you, I think. And it's valuable as a tool source. I always wanted to not feel like the weird person in the room. So it's funny that I, I talk I talk to my son about this a lot. Um, you know, he's like, Man, you're so nice to people. And I've always said that like my nature is I'm not a nice person. Right. But my my niceness is practiced and it's constantly practiced. And I always felt weird about sitting in a room and how I felt on the inside is like, I don't wanna I can't stand anyone in this room. I wanna get the fuck <laughs> out get of the here. Uglies. Right. So what I started doing was going and having more conversation. And now, like, it's funny. My wife jokes. She's like, you'll talk to anybody. And I'm like, yeah, I will. You know, um, but because that's my practice. That's what keeps me from being the other way. Right. You know. And it, it well, that's a, that's a muscle that right. you train. So that's that's been pretty good. But I also like the how you were talking about, you know, these practices and stuff like that. Because another conversation that I have very often is, 
and with my son, especially with this situation being so challenging, is I always say, I understand that some days you can only give me 50%, but give me 50 fucking percent give me if that's your, all you have. Give me 100% of your 50%. Right. Yeah. And that's a conversation we have. And it's funny now that you mentioned these things because now I think about that more. Like, uh, even in the conversations we have about with my own personal training, it's like, the day went horrible for me, but I was able to make this happen. And look how better you are telling me that story. Yeah. Yeah, I felt really good about that. Are not the best situations in our life when you surpass fear? Not because you never felt it. Because you walked past the finish line with her. Hmm. It's not, you know, I have courage tattooed on the side of my head because I need courage, because I've found courage. But the mother of my courage is fear. And to deny that is a lie. And I had to stop lying to myself, Joan. I had to stop bullshitting myself to some extent. I really don't bullshit me. I may bullshit other people. Well, not really, actually. But I had to stop lying. It's like, you know what, man? This story I'm telling you, it tastes so good because I was so scared. Yeah. I'm not saying that it should always be that way. It's just the way it is. My best lifts ever, my best physical athletic stories have come from beating fear. But I look back and it's like, I crossed that line with her. I took her with me. It never became 100% fearless. And nor would I ever want to live my life fearlessly Mm -hmm. in that aspect. It's like when... You, that know sounds silly, but you cannot have the word fearless without less fear. It's not fear like none at all, right? And I know it's just a way of perspective, you know, like there's no I in team, but there's an M-E. You know, I always do that. But yeah, but there's a me, motherfucker, you know? Kobe Bryant. Yeah, exactly. Wow, yeah, it is, right? Okay, yeah, which I love. You know, fearless just means less fear. Yeah. The absence of fear. I would never want to live life that way. I think I would be dead, obviously. <laughs> and I would probably be less compassionate. I would be less understanding. I would be less approachable. I would fear less. I would be less human. Right? Because ultimately, fear is primal, but it's also very human to sit with it, to dissect it. It's a gift of challenging fear and finding tools with it and against it. You know, for the most part, animals know one or the other. Yeah. Life or death. You know, it's not going to go, oh, I think he's going to shoot me in the leg. I think <laughs> I'll be okay. You know, like when we go to an event, well, I might just hurt myself, but I won't die. Most animals don't have that luxury. It's, this is going to kill me. I'm going to fight for my life or run away as fast as I can. We have the luxury of sitting with that and having this conversation, rationalizing, having cognitive therapy towards it, having 
like a spiritual, physiological, psychological perspective shift and change. It's a fucking luxury. So why not explore it? As an athlete, when's the last time, and I, this is something I started recently, I call it mental hygiene. I, the term mental health already makes me want to puke. Yeah. Because of my mental health. I'm it's like, so oh my God. Yeah, it's not. Mm. First of all, everyone's a psych major. We talked about this like 70,000 times. Just because you had the disorder doesn't make you somebody. You know who I take drug and diagnosis. Right. It's like when my well, I was gonna say when my drug dealer tells me to trust him, but I'm like, should I be saying that? <laughs> but here's what I what I really want to have a perspective with and have that concept of, of understanding. It's like, is do we really need to just let that concept go? And I challenge people constantly to do this. So, you know, to bring it and to tie it in and to, to get the perspectives that what I really wanted to explore this whole episode with is I don't want an answer per se. What I want is a challenge. What I want is, is, is people to come out of this episode into sit with themselves, not me. I'm telling you my perspective over here. This is an opinion-based show sometimes, although we do, you know, Dig into facts right, and so peer review, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and we we do discuss peer review stuff. We sit with professionals. We've had great discussions on things that work because based on science and stuff. And I believe that a lot of the things that I'm talking about have come from you know studying psychology, but also experience in life and my experience as a coach and discussing these issues. It's not just couch talk. There's ex- extremely thorough discussions in peer review journals on on the concepts of fear, the perspectives of fear, perceptions of fear and how they affect athletes and the percentage of it. But can we not admit that if our perspective and as the definition says, our belief of fear shifts, so too will the outcome of what it does to us. If we can openly admit that psychologically and physically fear has a direct effect, not consequence, but effect, then we can change certain aspects of it, right? As you become physically stronger, you have less fear of the weight. As you become psychologically stronger, you also have the tendency to allow that to make you stronger physically, which thus makes you less scared of something. Less scared. You should never be fearless of the weight because fear also breeds respect. One animal respects the other because it's scared of that animal. Nothing wrong with that. It is a primal source. It is a primal observation. When that weight is twice your size, you should have a healthy fear because you cannot challenge yourself without having to search for the courage to overcome that giant. Fear is probably one of the greatest things that has ever been gifted to us. It is literally there every fucking day and there's going to be moments in time where it's going to rip you asunder and everything you've ever thought was steady is now unstable you are in a sinking ship and you have never been more scared in your life to swim alone because everything and everyone around you is slipping away because ultimately it is you who has to stand up to your fear and to sit with it you have to fight it every fucking day and you prepare for it every day every lift has a w and it has a fucking l And you have to choose which one you want to fight for the most. And you got to fight with it. You got to sit with it. You got to talk to it. 
I have understood in my life that everything cannot be solved with fire. God, do I wish I could be the man I used to be sometimes, but he's a tool set, right? To choose that courage and that rage and that ability to compartmentalize and to isolate and to hate so purely was such a beautiful freedom. But ignorance is great and so is being a fucking wild animal. But these are choices that we do, don't we? I wish I could just sit there and jerk myself ridiculous when I felt the most fear. But instead, I sat with it for the first time in a deeper sensation of why I was so scared to lose him in the first place. If he had always been. And then I had to work harder. Right? It did. It pushed me to love a little bit more. Did I always love my father this much? Or did fear finally let me feel it? Did I always love stronger this much? Or did fear show me that maybe I don't love her as much as I used to? Is not fear the canvas? Is it the paintbrush? Is it the catalyst? Is it the beginning? Is it the beginning of all emotions? Doesn't she show you the sweetest flavor of your life because at what moment you're going to lose it? That if you fear that that's the last kiss you kiss, doesn't it taste the sweetest? And if that's the last lift of your life, wasn't it the best? It wasn't courage that showed me this. It wasn't rage. It wasn't anger. It wasn't success. It was fear. And it's because I sat with myself long enough to understand that fear is distance. And it's something that I carry with weight. It's something that I push through. It's something that I climb and dig into. It's a step by step. It's a day by day. It's an inch by inch, isn't it? Distance is a strength. And fear is the most what I want to train the rest of my goddamn life. This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.